storms from the north. Coming up next, right here on The Right Stuff. And welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen, Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today we're going to be talking to my guest co-host and contributor today, Christensen Lowe, hailing all the way from South Korea. I am so excited. I keep telling you guys, worldwide. When we showcase Christian authors worldwide, I definitely mean it. And today it's really cool because we're going to be talking about his debut novel. You all know I love showcasing authors with their debut books because they did something that many people want to do and haven't done, which is finish their book and get it done. So I cannot wait to share this with you in just a few moments. As always, I want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We have been showcasing Christian authors now for 10 years, and as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash right stuff and see what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. To stay up to date with PJC Media, simply go to pjcmedia.net, click on that pink follow button, and you'll never, ever have to miss a show. Subscribe to our new YouTube channel for updates, uploads, and more. Go ahead, subscribe today, and click that notification button so you'll never, never miss an episode. Thank you all for your support of my newest release called A Chance for Zhao Xin. Your response has been phenomenal. And if you haven't had a chance, go ahead and pick up your copy today, exclusively available on Amazon.com. And without further ado, Christensen, how you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you? I am so good. I'm so thankful that we obviously have a time to talk to you today. And for those of you who know, I'm going to tell the story how Christensen and I met a little later in the broadcast. But it's so glad. I'm so glad to have you here. Uh, thank you for having me. Yes, I'm definitely glad to do this interview and uh, tell your listeners about my novel. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's so cool because when I met Christensen, it was really through happenstance, quote unquote. We know nothing actually happens by coincidence, but quote unquote, by happenstance, we were in a Facebook group together and he mentioned his story. And of course, K-dramas, I'm totally into them. So when he mentions that he's writing a Korean book, I obviously want to know. And that's how our relationship started. And I've been talking to Christensen for about a year now, and I was so thrilled to read the first draft of this story. And then when he said he's going to tweak it up and do what he needs to do, I was very excited about that. So yeah, I'm very excited to actually be showcasing this because it's been a long time coming, and it's finally here. So that's what I'm excited for. Now, Christensen, people are going to wonder, who the heck is Christensen? So go ahead, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, I have been living here in Korea for 18 years, so the novel is well-researched from just uh, living here for 18 years. I'm married to a Korean young lady named Eun-hae Han, and we have a five-year-old son, Daniel. Uh, I am a professor at a Christian university here in Korea called Handong Global University. I've been teaching for 23 years, and uh, back in 2016, that's when I started this novel, uh, and I guess started pursuing writing as possibly something that God would want me to do next in my life. And uh, yeah, that's a, a nutshell of who I am. 
being in South Korea for such a long time, do you feel like you've integrated into society? Do you know a whole lot about it? You know, how do you feel after all this time? Well, uh, it's a bit funny. Uh, my son, he was born here in Korea. He's 100% Korean, of course, but he knows his daddy is from Texas. And so he recently asked me if I was ever planning to go back to my hometown. And I told him, honestly, no, I was not, unless God is calling us back there, that we will go where God wants us. But I do feel comfortable here in Korea. I do feel integrated as much as a foreigner can in any place, honestly. But, uh, yeah, I plan to serve God here as long as he has me here. So I definitely feel integrated. What's really nice is that a lot of people like K-dramas, like I alluded to earlier. And South Korea has exploded with exporting their entertainment to the masses, from K-pop, music bands, to televisions and movies. Even culture has been exported from South Korea. Have you seen that change since the time you've been there where maybe only a niche number of people outside of South Korea was really into it and now it's exploded to where BTS was recognized as one of the best bands, I think, on the planet, (laughs) so uh, stuff like that. So, you know, just as you've been there for 18 years, what is your impression of that? Oh, my. Uh, Yes, very much. Uh, The first time I came to Korea was back in 2001. I know that doesn't make 18 years, but I've been back and forth. So a total of 18 years. Uh, Back in 2001, nobody really knew anything about Korea. I didn't know really anything about Korea except for the show MASH, which I grew up on. And so it's been rather crazy for me coming to this uh, country that I really didn't know a lot about, becoming a part of the society here. And then uh, it, I guess the Hallelujah uh, catching on <laughs> even in the United States. It's been very interesting for me to watch. And uh, yeah, I guess exciting because I do write from uh, the point of view of an expat living in Korea. So it has created, hopefully and prayerfully, a niche <laughs> for my writing. I love the fact that you mentioned that because you are coming from a different perspective. And so we get a chance to enjoy Korean culture through the movies. And not saying that the movies are actually accurate all the time, you know what I mean? Because some of these people are impossibly beautiful. (laughs) And uh, I mean, impossibly beautiful. Impossibly. And I say that jokingly because you kind of see these uh, movies and all the people look beautiful. And I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm just jealous, you know, because they just wake up and sh- shake their hair, put on their makeup, and they're they're done with it. So, but I just love the fact that you're coming from that perspective because it does give you a unique idea about this story you've written called Storms from the North. Now, we need to give our listeners just some background about why this book has Storms from the North because this book is going to be released on July 27th. And we need to know why that particular date is significant for the release of this book. Yeah, so uh, the reason for the title is definitely uh, living here in South Korea, you constantly have this shadow of North Korea above you. And the date specifically is the 70th anniversary of the end of the first Korean War. And so that's why I chose that date. Uh, That's also why I chose that title, uh, because living here in South Korea, like I said, 
you're just ready for the storm from the north to break. And so I chose it to break, <laughs> at least uh, in my novel, on July 27th, the 70th anniversary. Now, tell us a little bit more about the actual war itself. You don't have to go into like an exhaustive history, but what, what was going on? What was being fought? You know, how did it affect different things like that? Yeah, well, I, I mean, uh, it is the result of World War II, the Cold War, and stuff like that. So you have, after World War II, uh, two factions vying for control of the Korean Peninsula. You have the communist faction and you have the democratic faction. Uh, so the communist, of course, was being supported by China and Russia, and the democratic one was being supported by the United States and other democracies. And so they were really vying for control of the whole Korean Peninsula. Just like in Germany, it was divided between the North and South. But then on June 25th, 1950, North Korea, and a long story of why they started it then, but basically <laughs> they invaded trying to take over the whole Korean Peninsula and then all heck broke out <laughs> and basically uh, you have uh, the Korean War trying to decide who would have control of the Korean Peninsula. Uh, eventually it resulted in a stalemate at the 38th parallel. Uh, so to this day, the Korean War has not ended. It has, it's in a truce, but it technically has never ended. And so both sides are at the 38th parallel ready for war to break out again. In my book description, I say that it's the start of the third Korean War because technically in the 60s, there was a second Korean War, but it was so small and so insignificant that people don't even know about it. But if I say second Korean War, then uh, you'll Google it and then you'll think I'm, I've written about uh, the one in the 1960s. Yeah, so that's a, a short synopsis of the history of the first Korean War. What's fascinating is learning about geopolitical events. I know for myself, I wasn't interested in it until the war Ukraine and Russia started. And mm. I started to become interested in it because what led to this point? Is it was something that happened five months ago or was this something that had been going on for a while? And when I started to research the geopolitical underpinnings of this war, I started to realize there is a lot that we didn't know <laughs> about the war, and yeah. there's a lot of tension between countries. Mm -hmm. And when you start to dig into geopolitical history, you start to see why some countries feel the way they do. And I say countries as a whole. Obviously, they are represented by their leaders and why other countries feel that way, too. And that was just a really big, just for me being a Westerner who never really cared about war stories. Mm -hmm. What's unique about Storms from the North is that we're not in the thick of the action in Storms from the North. We're not the soldiers. No, no. We're no. not the commanders. Mm -hmm. However, we are the people affected by the decisions that people are making. And I find this, to be quite frank, a very Eastern point of view that you are sharing the story with because the Eastern view, generally speaking, and I'm just being generalized here, not making grand statements here, but the general view is that 
it's not the cannon that makes the most noise, but the small of a pebble in the pond, okay? And so this story is told from three civilians who are being affected by this war. Would you say that'd be an accurate view of the story? Oh, totally. You know, I chose to write this novel because back in 2016, North Korea was once again saying that they were going to destroy South Korea. And having lived here for so long, I have thought, okay, what would I do? And so I chose to write it from the civilian's uh, viewpoint because of that. But also I, I wanted to give a view of Korea and also the three, Third Korean War uh, not in an action movie type of way, uh, nothing wrong with action movies, but uh, I wanted it to be a little more heartfelt, more uh, down to the individual person who is struggling with this reality of war, uh, struggling with what exactly they need to do or should do uh, to overcome the situation that is brought on them. And so, yeah, definitely... Um, I, I like that uh, analogy or that image of the small pebble. That's definitely a good one. But, yeah, that's why I chose to uh, give uh, three viewpoints of the war and it just being the average person, if you will. And those viewpoints are encapsulated by three characters, Professor Williams, Daniel, and Joy. And yeah. so let's just go ahead and just dig into Storms for the North. And for our listeners out there, it is book one of the Sunlight series. And we'll tell you more about the Sunlight series a little later on in the broadcast. So we've already know that this is about the third Korean War, and we have the scenario of three civilians and how this war is affecting them. So let's talk about Professor Williams. What type of person is he like? Well, I honestly, uh, I started with him because like I said, I wanted to explore what I would do in the particular situation. Now he's not a direct copy of me, but like me, he's a professor, uh, he's married to a Korean. And because of being married to a Korean, He's very tied to the Korean Peninsula. When the possibility of evacuation happens, that's really not possible for him because, well, <laughs> what is he going to do with his wife and his wife's family? And so he struggles with that. Uh, and so that, I guess, that viewpoint is really my struggle. It's really my viewpoint of what I might do if North Korea did a attack. Uh, Daniel... He is a Korean-American, and his conflict or what keeps him to the Korean Peninsula, what keeps him from just leaving is that, well, he, his ancestors are from Korea, and so he struggles with what his response is to the situation. How should he respond as someone who has family here as well? Joy is Hispanic from Texas. And so she doesn't have a clear connection to the Korean Peninsula, but uh, before the war starts, uh, she's really embraced by this uh, family. And so when war breaks out, she doesn't just want to leave once again. She wants to be there for that family that has helped her so much. And so she also uh, struggles with uh, what her response is or what she will do uh, instead of just leaving the Korean Peninsula. So. All of my, or the three main points of view 
Uh, they're foreigners. They're like me. And actually, <laughs> they're like my friends uh, here in Korea. And so I took those and uh, just tried to figure out how would different people with uh, different connections to Korea, how would they survive and also how they would handle the situation. So that's a synopsis of uh, those three characters. Now, Pepper, throughout this narrative, you give information about Korea. And I think that's important because you want to orient the reader, particularly if your book is going to be geared toward the Western readers who may not understand the culture. You want them to understand the culture. And then for the people who are actually Korean reading your book, you want to make sure you know what you're talking about. So, so you want to uh, make sure that we get that peppered in throughout the story. And it's not done in an info dump manner because I did tell Christensen, don't do it in an info dump manner. So I said, uh, when I first read the first draft, you want to kind of break it up. And you, you did that, of course. You know. yeah. and, um, it wasn't all throughout the story either, just certain sections of it was. But yeah. Christensen has done a wonderful job really bringing this hypothetical, maybe more, to life, but he's doing it through the eyes of civilians. And a lot of times, which brings me back to my point about geopolitical underpinnings and events, leaders make decisions, but they're far removed from the people that are going to be affected by them. And that's why when people vote, it's important for you to know what type of leader you're going to get. And that's just like a side note to the whole thing. Okay. Just some for you guys to all think about. Now in the story, it's almost, there's a certain, it's a sense of a road trip <laughs> almost throughout the story uh, because they're traveling, you know, wars happening, things are going down, they're traveling. And one of the characters has a massive crisis of faith. That's what I'm going to call it. And I know faith is an important part of this book as well. It's not super overt or anything. It's more of a subtle thing. But why do you think that faith aspect is so important? Well, uh, it's important because it's who I am. I mean, uh, as a Christian, I guess I write what I know, but also what I'm passionate about. And so when I was uh, deciding on the characters, Not all the characters are Christian, and not all the characters, uh, I I guess, uh, are struggling with their faith. But I do have uh, Professor Williams is a Christian, and Daniel is also a Christian. And so I I have them, of course, uh, deal with uh, how, as a Christian, how they're going to respond to the situation. Professor Williams is a pacifist, and so I don't want to give too much away, but uh, he really it comes to terms with what it means to be a pacifist in the middle of a war, uh, what it means to love your neighbor in the middle of a war. And so that even continues, and I, I'm not going to give any anything away, but two, there's even more of a crisis of what it means to pray for your enemy and, and everything. Uh, Daniel, uh, who is also a Christian, He's not a pacifist, and so there's not that much of a struggle with him in that regards. But he wonders what it means to trust in God in the middle of storms. And once again, not trying not to give too much away, but uh, that brings him closer to God and just trying to find his foundation and his peace in God in the middle of this chaos. And so... 
I wrote it because, well, that would be probably what I would struggle with if uh, North Korea did attack and I, I was here on the Korean Peninsula, Peninsula spill. And I probably would be. And so it is, once again, me, through these characters, me struggling with what my response would be to the hostilities and deciding how to live out my faith. So, yeah, I, I wrote it because <laughs> that's just, uh, you know, writers write what they know and uh, uh, what they're passionate about. So, yeah, that's why I wrote it. I like that you're really putting the realism into what you're writing, too, because it's always a looming threat. And I know with the Ukraine-Russian war for, here, for us here in the West, that has heightened fears of nuclear war. And most of us of my generation, a few others, we thought that was far behind us. And to have that looming fear of that is very real. And that's why people are nervous. And then you have lots of different theories and stories going around. So I'm glad that you actually put that realism in there because it's always looming. We said, like you said, they never ended the war. <laughs> you know what I mean? They never ended the war. Another aspect of this, too, let's go from a historic point of view, you have South Korea, which has a very thriving economy for the most part, and then you have North Korea, which has a very different sort of economy. You have a democracy, you have a communist party, you have the dear leader, Kim Jong-un, yeah. being a totalitarian, authoritative figure who treats his own people like ugh, crud, and the most atrocious, inhumane acts against his own people, you have a government that seeks to try to represent the people. So you see these two various different economies clashing together along with the worldviews. And then I heard about this young lady who was North Korean who talked about what it was like to live in North Korea and live under that regime and how she talks about that. So there's a lot going on here that really made me want to learn more about South Korea, about North Korea, about the factions there. So when you pick up Christensen's book, I believe you're going to be stimulated by the same thoughts that I had, because now you want to know more. You know, we know about the K-dramas, we know about the pop music, we know about the beauty products, we know about a lot of different things, but do we know the history behind that? So I think when you write stuff like this, it really is to engage the reader to know more about places they're not familiar with. And I know some people think they know South Korea, but do you know South Korea? So I really uh, appreciate you writing the story. Now, what's in store for the Sunlight series? So I have written book one and two. I'm releasing book one uh, July 27th, uh, like I said. My plan is to release book two uh, during Solal <laughs> next year, which is February 10th. Uh, if you don't know what Solal is, in short, it's the Chinese New Year, but in Korea. Don't ever say Chinese New Year here, but for American listeners, that's the easy way to uh, know it. So I do have book two finished, and so I'm planning to, like I said, do release book one, uh, and then book two in February, and then next year write book three. I do have five books uh, mapped out, um, and so... Over, I guess, the next two years or something, I will finish the series. And uh, hopefully, yeah, honestly, I don't really know how I'm going to end it. So I don't have it mapped completely out. But so I, you don't have a plan. <laughs> no, it's just I'm joking. So. But I, I'm not really quite sure if uh, North Korea is going to triumph or if 
something's going to change, I'm not really quite sure. So I haven't gotten to that point. Once again, I don't want to share too much, but in book two, uh, there's a unified Korea under North Korea. And so we have that. But beyond that, uh, yeah, you'll you'll find out. (laughs) Well, we can't wait for the next book in the series to come out. And Christian, I want to thank you so much for being with me on the show today to talk about your book and your series. But there is an opportunity to people to get a taste of your work before they even buy Storms for the North. How can they do that? Well, I have a novella called The Wedding Ducks, and it is set in the universe, using a, a Marvel term, uh, it's set in the universe of the Sunlight series. Basically, it's a prequel of Professor Williams or Emerson's story, and so it shows the time in which he uh, comes to Korea. So it's before the Third Korean War, and if you are interested, you can uh, get that uh, novella. You can email me. That's uh, currently how, how to get it. I got to set up a, another way to uh, uh, get it. But uh, if you email me at uh, lifeinlightproductions at gmail.com, so that's life, L I F E N I N, light, L I G H T, productions, P R O D U C T I O N S, at gmail.com, and I'll be glad to send you a free copy of that. Do you, do you want me to do you want me to tell you what the a little more of the story or? or no, no, don't tell about the story because I want okay. them to pick up your copy and then the, when you sign up for when you send that email on you're going to be placed on to Christensen's newsletter so once he sends his yep. newsletter out you'll have opportunity to know more about what he's doing what he's working on things of that nature so make sure you go ahead email him today let him know you want to copy that novella you'll be signed up for his newsletter when he sends it out and so much more so I'm really excited for you to go ahead get a free copy of the wedding ducks I love the cover of this book I, I enjoyed it very well and so once you read the story you're going to really enjoy it and that's going to lead you to the sunlight series so Christensen in the few moments we have left what I always want to do is encourage our aspiring authors whom God has given the gift to write to pick up the pen and do so so go ahead and encourage them out there today well I, I guess if I had anything to encourage Christian authors you know in the Bible it says that God has given people different talents and different amount of talents. And uh, if you think that God has given you just one talent compared to somebody else who has 10, you still got to use that talent. You still got to invest that talent into the kingdom of God and your passion and everything. And so uh, even if you struggle with self-doubt, jump out and use it. And who knows, you know, maybe you're actually the one with the 10 talents and you didn't realize it. But until you are willing to invest it and uh, just pursue after it, uh, and I, I have a friend of mine who uh, uh, she is struggling to get to the point of publishing, and I basically gave her Craig Martell's advice, which is publish. You're never going to be there. So publish, and as you publish, you learn. Now, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> I'm about to publish, so <laughs> I'm about to learn. But uh, you got to get to the point where you just jump and seek after God. So that's my advice and my, my prayer for any Christian authors listening. I can't think of a better way to end the show today. So, Christensen, thank you so much for being with us on the show today. Cannot wait to have you back and have you back real soon. 
Thank you, Parker. And we were talking today to Christensen Lowe. He is the author of the book Storms of the North, which is book one of the Sunlight series taking place in South Korea with a potential fictional hypothetical third war with North Korea. Go ahead and find out what all the fuss is about when you get your copy of Storms for the North, available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. One thing that I like that Christensen said, he said, jump in. You won't do it unless you jump in. It's a leap of faith. It's learning how to trust the Lord with your talent. You don't want to be the one who had the talent and buried it. You want to be the one that uses it and multiplies it. You won't know if you don't jump. So go ahead, pick up the pen, and write stuff. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J, and you have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day. <laughs>